Welcome to the Broken Pie Podcast, episode number 95. I'm your host, Eric Moore. And today we've got a, a special guest on who's going to be talking about uh, really some interesting topics, I think, in finance, in the brokerage space, and uh, really plays in well to a lot of things that that I've been talking about, you know, getting started, becoming investing. And uh, Victor Nibahai is our special guest today. He's the CMO and co-founder of Free Trade. Uh, Victor, I think the website is freetrade.io. How are you doing today? Great. Hi, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And yes, it's freetrade.io if anyone wants to check us out. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll, we'll give that plug right right in the beginning. Well, Victor, it's it's a pleasure to have you on today. And you know, first, I guess we can start here. You know, free trade is uh, what a what a great name that you guys had, and I think it's an interesting. I'll let you kind of talk about you know what it is that you guys do and things like that. Uh, but I know right now it's uh, you know really building that that European base, and it's fascinating to me because you know even in in the two thousands when we had the dot com era, and a lot of people were you know getting into trading, Europe as a market never really. Uh, you know, follow the U.S. markets into that. So, j- just talk about like you know free trade in general, and then uh, you know who what it is that you guys do, what makes you know. Go ahead, just tell our audience about it. Yeah, great. Uh, let's 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 do it. Um, so, free trade is a neo broker. That's how we um, we would call it here in the UK or or in Europe or a challenger uh, stock broker. So, basically, what we do is uh, zero commission uh, stock trading. You can invest in stocks and ETFs, both UK um, stocks and ETFs, as well as uh, US stocks uh, via the app, uh, via app only. Um, that that really resonated with uh, with, the, with the core demographic that we target targeted, which is uh, millennials and even younger uh, at this point. And uh, yeah, our, our mission is to get everyone investing. Um, basically, how we talk about it internally is that our, our vision is to help people get better financial outcomes. We, we started this uh, company because we've, we felt very strongly uh, with my co-founders that um, people are just not really caught into the, into the growth of the world, basically. You know, you see trillion dollar companies created. Very few people benefit from the, from the level of growth that you can, you, you can achieve in, the, in this world. Meanwhile, we... You know the media talks about uh, you know the, the the erosion of the middle class and how millennials save and invest or 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 don't do that, um, and it's just insane that you have um, you know these th- these amazing opportunities that we have in you know in this day and age, and people just don't uh, benefit uh, from that. So so that's the reason why we why we started free trade and and fundamentally it's it's our founder and 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 CEO Adam. Uh, Adam Dots. Um, he was. Uh, it's actually a pretty good story. He was. Uh, um, he was a senior manager at KPMG, the the financial consulting uh, company. And um, well, he has he has a wife and three kids. And 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 despite that, he took the he took the risk. Um, he was sitting pretty in his job, but um, he saw the market opportunity and the opportunity as well to to basically help millions of people across Europe fundamentally. Um, and he started it, and 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 the way I met him is actually really funny. I um, I was on the tube. I saw an advertisement for um, Crowdcube, the crowdfunding platform in the UK. A- equity crowdfunding is really popular here, 
And I was like, this is fantastic. I can be an angel investor. I can invest any amount. I don't have to have my solicitor. Um, so I went to the platform. I signed up on Crowdcube and I invested in the very first crowdfunding round of basically the two, uh, uh, the two primary neo banks or, or challenger banks here in the UK. Both investments had worked out great. And then I saw Adam with his uh, free trade uh, pitch deck on Crowdcube. And I was like, this is fantastic. Um, I absolutely want to have this product. So I looked across my bank accounts. I pulled together all the all the money that I had. Uh, I was maybe left with like 15 pounds until the end of the month. So my girlfriend had to stop me. <laughs> and I invested everything, everything I had um, in cash. Um, and it turned out I was the first investor who um, who invested more than a thousand pounds and wasn't a friend or family member. So we met up and and as, as they say, the rest is history. I think it's, I think what's fascinating about, um, you know, what you said to try and, and, and you mentioned a lot of people don't, you know, participate in, in the equity markets. And, you know, one of the things I've seen is that, uh, there was always a lot of friction. And so I've been trying to think back, I probably got into this in 94, you know, working on wall street in the U S and, you know, it's, there was always, I call it friction and friction in economics is there's some barrier. It could be cost. It could be it's too tough to, to sort of get in. But, you know, I remember placing trades and for a hundred shares of stock and the commission would be hundreds of dollars. And then eventually now we have, you know, zero dollars, but I'll be honest. I mean, I've given, uh, you know, talks to very young investors and told them about the value of getting started early and, and compounding, but there's still this friction. I mean, I'm always fascinated by, you know, uh, like Schwab and Fidelity in the U.S., they do everything that that maybe you do and more. But there, there's something that that maybe you're after where to break down that friction, that wall, that barrier that lets somebody say, "This is a good idea. Let me do this." But then there's something that gets lost for them actually taking the step and, and getting involved. I mean, that, so I think that's an interesting thing to to think about. Definitely, um, and. I think it somewhat ties into the, the other part of your previous question about Europe, which I'm going to talk about in, in a minute. But I, I think what, what you are talking about, Derek, the, the, the friction, it's it's so important, right? Because in the end of the day, it's not it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, you look at the Maslow pyramid of what you need to do in a day, right? And there are like fundamental things you need to get done. Like you have to, you know, you know, wake up, you know, eat, you know, get get the essential stuff done during during your workday, like investing is not something that you are hard pressed to do. Um, so uh, until it becomes a habit, um, you know, the best thing that companies like, like free trade, uh, we can do is basically removing that friction that prevents you, uh, from making your investing experience smooth. And uh, I think that zero commission is not like a magical invention that only, you know, one company has like, you know, uh, a monopolium on, but it's it's just part of a broader um, like toolkit. Uh, how how you how you dismantle friction? Friction is as well. You know, basically you have like a like a fifth limb uh, in the in the form of your smartphone right now. That that's always with you. Bringing investing onto that device is essential because you always have access to that. Like literally everywhere, unless you are on a plane. Uh, you can be online and you can invest. So, so that's definitely part of it, making uh, the language accessible and giving people education and education as well in the form that 
you know, they are not turned off. So it should not be like, um, like an econ class necessarily, maybe like a fun econ class at school. But, you know, fundamentally we are up against, um, you know, competing with everyone else on the internet for people's attention. Like we are up against all the cat gifts on Reddit, you know, all the different ways you can spend your time, your Facebook feed, all that sort of stuff. And making investing something that's like actually interesting and can pull you in is, is also part of that toolkit. So, so yeah, I, I think you are, uh, what, what you say about friction is, is, absolutely, is absolutely true. I mean, and you, you mentioned maybe the individuals and, and millennials. It sounds like that's your, your target audience is not maybe participating. And, you know, if you just run the numbers, I mean, someone who comes out of, let's say, college, they're probably, what, you know, 20, 21 years old. Their first job, even if they just signed up for the, you know, in the U.S., a 401k or, or some sort of, you know, uh, systematic investment plan, you know, putting money away every month, the, the numbers are, are staggering. I mean, it, over uh, the S and P 500 in the U.S. over the last, you know, since 1926, the compounded annual growth rate is something like, you know, 10, 10 and a half percent. But it's it's that getting started, but. I mean, it's someone who gets started early has that, uh, I mean, it's the law of numbers, right? It's, it's the compounding effect. And it's, I think it's really important if you can get people started. I think that's a really good goal to have for, for you and your group. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, we see about half of our uh, users um, coming as, as newbie investors and free trade is their first time. Um, we we kind of think of it as like a, a badge of honor. We we definitely want to service both. We want to build a serious service. You you mentioned incumbent companies, um, and you know we we potentially don't have like each and every of of the features that they offer, right? And and we are working on it. But we are a new company, only operational barely for for two years. We, we still don't have everything. Um, but we want to service both. Uh, the mission is to get everyone investing. Uh, but when you, when you think of everyone, um, the, the emphasis for us is definitely uh, getting um, new people uh, into investing. Like you said, the numbers, the, the numbers are just incredibly in favor of, you know, midterm, long term, of course, um, to invest in, in, the, in the stock market. Of course, you know, I also always have to mention your capital is at risk. Um, so, you know, you have to you have to consider that this is not, you know, it's absolutely not a savings account, of course, as a new investor. That's not how you should think about it. But over time, history has proven, you know, the S&P 500 um, has given you historically, you know, the numbers differ based on the, the exact timeline you look at, but 7% return and, and those kind of numbers, it, it's just... In, the numbers are incredibly in favor of, of investing. And the vast majority of people um, on this planet, they, they don't know and, and they don't really have access. And, and that's what we want to solve. You know, for a long time, I, when I would talk to people who haven't invested before, I would always say, look, you know, uh, if nothing else, uh, set aside an amount each month and you can go automatically have your brokerage firm buy shares and, you know, an S&P 500 index fund, right? But one of the things I found is that even though when you own an index fund, and that's, in my opinion, I mean, it's someone getting started, if they were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, I mean, throw money in in an S&P fund. But uh, there's some disconnect between, you know, buying an index fund and then the companies that are in there. And I'm actually, Victor, leaning more and more now to somebody taking, as you said, I mean, it is risk capital, but, uh, 
putting money. And I think, you know, the fractional share development is, is kind of an amazing thing. But the idea of, you know, maybe owning some companies and, you know, certainly not a recommendation, but maybe you own a piece of Google, a piece of uh, Microsoft or Exxon, whatever it is. But it's just the idea of, hey, I'm going to put a little capital in these companies and then I'm going to learn the four times a year they release earnings. And I'm going to actually use this as a proxy for education. I mean, is are you seeing more people attracted to individual stocks? And, and am I right there that, that maybe that is more interesting to people? Yeah, that, 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 that's a great question. Um, so we, we see different user personas, different customer personas. And, um, you know, there's definitely the ETF investor, but actually um, a very large percentage of our customer base does invest in individual companies. And um, I, I think we are not going to have a, have a fight about uh, the merits of uh, considering individual companies as, as long as you research and you know what you are doing. Um, and you are, you know, you are taking a bigger risk than with an ETF. If you want to, uh, you know, beat a benchmark um, such as a FTSE All World uh, Tracker or or S and P five hundred, you definitely should consider uh, these companies. And you know, the, the great thing um, about um, about investing in individual companies, it, it definitely pulls you in and incentivizes you to research and connect more to the world economy and um, the individual performance of these companies and how they figure into the world economy. I, I think that's that's great to sort of like develop that interest. The, the biggest, when people ask me who is the biggest competitor of free trade, I I usually don't talk about, I almost never talk about incumbent companies or, or anybody like that. Our, our biggest competitor is the notion is that the world economy is boring, investing is boring. It's not something that you should take an interest in. And actually, that's a fascinating um, area that, that shapes our world profoundly. And uh, taking an interest in that is, is, is not just a, it's, it's not just an advantage from your personal investing standpoint, but, but also an advantage in terms of like how educated you are about the economy. It definitely makes you a, a more educated, more well-rounded person. Well, even and, and I think at the beginning, uh, I don't think he, neither of us would expect somebody to, to to understand, you know, discounted cash flow and valuation and all those things. But even if you know, and and I do think I'll come back to the fractional share point because I think that's a, a major innovation. But you know, the idea of um, just net profit margins and and how companies how thin some of the margins are, and I, I think it's a great point, Victor, that um, just following companies that you own maybe gives you more insight into how businesses make money, how, how they're able to hire employers, how, you know, they're, there's just a lot there. And I think, um, you know, certainly we know that if you did nothing else, then diversify the heck out of your portfolio and, you know, buy a broad spectrum. Um, and you can you can concentrate the risk, but I think that's a great point. It's, um, I think education's a big thing and maybe there's some connection, you know, somebody might be in an Uber cab or a Lyft uh, here in the U.S. or, you know, I've ordered something on Amazon and um, now you can buy, I mean, a fractional share. I mean, are, are you seeing a lot of people take advantage? By the way, fractional share just means, you know, used to be you want a share of Amazon and you have to come up with yeah, whatever it is today, 3800 bucks. And by the way, if, if that's all you had, you know, certainly buying all one stock is, is you know, a little risky. But here, um, what is it, like 10 bucks you could put into one whatever th- uh, 
a share of Amazon and, and build a portfolio. Are you seeing a lot of people take advantage of that? And I think that's a big thing that's happening in our space. Uh, absolutely, Derek. I actually have a funny story for you um, because so we have uh, fractional shares on on free trade, right? And when we um, when we introduced the feature, we we kind of went about it like quite abruptly. So suddenly, it's just like you know, it, it like um, we introduced um, the UI in a way that uh, you invested um, like a pound amount, like a cash amount, and you got um, you know like the equivalent uh, proportion of whatever you are buying an Amazon stock or, or, or a Tesla stock, even if you just, you know, like input uh, 10 pound on the interface, right? And initially, um, particularly the more experienced um, members of our investing community, they were, they were quite upset with that change. Um, and we dug into that and, and basically they, they felt very strongly about owning an exact amount of shares for, um, for what they told us psychological reasons. But that sort of uprising in our community kind of died down in a couple of days. And then suddenly everyone just started investing with fractional shares. Um, so it's, you know, maybe for uh, more experienced investors, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift. Uh, but particularly when you are new to it, it's just, it just makes sense. Like, why would you buy a full share of Tesla, right? It's it's kind of like, like a bucket of water. You can divide it into different cups and glasses, that's how uh, company ownership works, right? And it's it's a little bit of an arbitrary construct that one uh, share costs this much and then you have to you have to buy for exactly that amount, right? Um, if you think of it as a great equalizer, it, it's something that makes, um, uh, it, it's something that makes, uh, ha- has people uh, get access to investing like really, really fast. I think it's amazing and, and it's, it's, it's a great development. And, you know, I, I can tell you some people, and I just go look at five years ago, I remember getting somebody excited about investing and, and uh, I talked to the person and he said, Hey, I bought a share of Coca-Cola. And I said, that's great. And in my mind, I'm thinking you probably pay 20 bucks to get in to buy a, a $50 stock. And if you sell it, that's another 40, you know, that's 40 bucks. You got to make like almost a hundred percent to break even, but with costs coming down and the technological advances, but I, I think this fractional share thing is is going to be one of the maybe I'm biased, right? But I think it's one of the biggest developments in getting people who haven't invested excited about the market. So I I'll be curious to see how this takes off in our industry for sure. The other thing I, I think is really fascinating too, and I go back. I want to switch to just the technology, and you, and you said a great thing earlier about you know how everyone has their phone in their pocket when when I. The first trade that I placed when I was in the industry, I actually, you took a, a, we called them paper tickets, but it was actually a three carbon copy thing. And we would write out a ticket at the, at the brokerage floor uh, firm and you tear off a copy and you'd put two copies somewhere. And then you put this other copy in a tube and you stick the tube into the wall and it would go down like several floors. And then they would call the, uh, the trade, they would call the New York Stock Exchange and a trader would take that call, write something else up on a ticket, give it to a runner. The runner would sprint out and you know, throw elbows left and right, trying to get to the trader on the floor. Um, finally, the trade gets done and you know, forget about getting the, uh, you know, the report back. And now you, know, you're, you were saying, I mean, technology is, has, has taken leaps and bounds. Costs have come down. But it's this idea of having this, this thing in their pocket 
Um, I mean, this is somebody could be in the tube, as you say, in, in London, which for those who don't know what that is in the U.S., that's the it's kind of the subway or the train and look at somebody's shoes that they're wearing and say, that's interesting. Maybe I'll buy a fractional share of that stock. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Um yeah, and uh, just just for uh, just for accuracy uh, on the tube, actually, we still don't have phone signal properly. So, but it's not- oh, what's going on in London? Come on! <laughs> oh, I know, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the big mystery in London. Why why is it so hard uh, to implement that? But okay, so somebody's in a cab, you know, the one one of those black cabs in London, right? With the so maybe maybe we'll switch the yeah. Um, but no, that's that's uh, that's something. Let's you know, technology is is fascinating from. Um, from a cost standpoint, I am curious though, you know, there, there's trade-offs with, um, all the, most of the brokerage firms, the big ones, right. They've gone to zero commissions. You all are at, at zero commissions. Um, it's, it's a different model though. Can you just talk about in general, either in your space, uh, or your, you know, free trade specifically. So where do, where do revenues come in? Like how to, you're giving a value proposition, right. But it's, you're not getting trading revenue. Are you able to just talk in general about, you know, how companies like yours, uh, you know, operate in the space and derive revenue? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, that was a fascinating trend in the U.S. to see um, le- uh, legacy stockbrokers switch to uh, zero, co- zero commission pricing. I-, I do think that's over time going to happen in Europe as well, but it's going to take a longer, potentially a longer, longer process. Um, but uh, yeah, from our perspective, um, so, I mean, technology changed everything. Uh, stocks are dematerialized. It it used, I mean, charging, like in the UK, some incumbents, they charge £12 per transaction. Um, that's probably $15 or some, something around that. that. That's arbitrary. That's like a tel- telco company saying that this is how much I charge you for the minutes or, or uh, text messages. Uh, it still costs the same on the back end. Uh, more or less, um, and uh, yeah, that 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 was just an arbitrary um, construct, you know, with technology and with the dematerialization. So we tap into that technology. So we basically built our own um, uh, our own uh, investment platform. We call it Invest by Free Trade. Um, so it, it it's a platform that does the heavy lifting um, of trading of stockbroking. So basically, we have. Uh, full control over that, which leads to a lot of advantages. Uh, we we build that with extreme scalability in mind, and we so far knock on wood, we managed to withstand all the surges in traffic that we saw around. You know when the lockdown started and and the U.S. elections and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, technology definitely makes things easier and cheaper and more scalable. And, and, and it also means a different business model, right? Uh, which, which is at the core of your question. We, we don't charge commissions. Uh, that's like the number one barrier um, against investing. It just doesn't make sense. So the And, you know, with the, the way we make money, we are 100% transparent. There is like one singular web page on our website, uh, freetrade.io slash pricing. You find everything there. But I'm going to break it down. Uh, there are... Uh, only, only a handful of uh, revenue streams that we have. So one is um, FX revenue. So we charge uh, a modest amount, uh, a, a modest amount of, of FX over. You know, you are in the UK. Of course, you buy US stocks. You you buy it in US dollars. So uh, money gets converted. 
at, at this point, that's our primary um, revenue source. And that scales well across Europe, because if you consider how Europe looks like, it's different. It's fundamentally different nations, different countries, uh, some, very often with different currencies, although euro is prevalent in, in, in a number of countries. Um, but but that's, uh, that's something that we kind of foresee as scaling well. We, we think other um, fintechs such as TransferWise, they, they did a great job of like introducing a modest but fair um, uh, FX, um, uh, FX fee, and, and it works really well in the case of TransferWise. And, and we kind of see it working really well for free trade as well. Uh, other than that, what we focus on is subscription um, revenue. So we um, we have sort of similar accounts um, you have in the US, uh, similar to 401k and, and Roth IRA. So we have a so-called ISA account, which is a tax-efficient account. Um, so we, we charge uh, £3 per month for that. And we also introduced a, a premium account, a plus, uh, what we call Free Trade Plus. Uh, we charge uh, 9 99 Per month uh, for that, you get a vastly bigger stock universe. Um, you get a dedicated customer service team, uh, more uh, uh, more features like that. Um, so, so yeah, th- these are the main ways we make money. And there was a third one: interest, right? That um, the um, interest earn, earned on cash, but the Bank of England uh, made sure that that revenue is not meaningful at this point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it used to be, uh, yeah, that's spread between, uh, you know, on the cash, uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically, you know, what do you earn? What do you have to pay out? But yeah, Bank of England seems to be going, uh, have they gone negative, uh, discount rate there yet? Or if not, it's trending that way. Right. So, not yet. and and by the way, it's, it's not just them, not to, not to single them out. They, they are doing the best uh, that they can in this environment across Europe. Um, we are looking at, in, in a few co- countries, uh, potentially ne- negative interest rates already or, or very, very tiny uh, interest rates. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, that's a, yeah, we, maybe we'll have to have you back on. We can talk about economics and stuff. Uh, but the interest rates is a fascinating thing to me. But, um, you know, but thinking about, so one of the things in, in uh, so big company here in the U.S. is uh, Robinhood. There's a, there's a couple others. Um, as these sort of app-based. And I'm curious, you know, the uh, one of the things, Robin had, had had some news, you know, with some traders maybe getting into options or leverage and different things. So what, what types, it sounds like you're really a proponent of education. Um, I assume, you know, you've got risk controls, but um, right now, just just sort of stocks, do you, do you allow options or more derivatives or, or you want to try and um, you know, where do you land on, on those types of things? Um, great question. We actually don't provide any, any options or leverage whatsoever. Uh, that's a deliberate decision. We, we could actually make a lot more money, a lot more revenue if we offer those, um, features or services, but, but we don't, we, the way we think about it, the vast majority of the people we want to attract, and that's the mainstream population. It's not, uh, financial services professionals, um, they, they, we just don't think they need these products. Uh, we think they, it can have a negative impact on their personal finances because, you know, you, you need a fair amount of experience and um, pr- proper education to, to benefit from those, uh, from those more sophisticated or complex features. So we, we deliberately decided not to provide that. Um, we, 
we just uh, we, we just think of some of these as, as toxic products. Um, so while we could make more money, we, we decided not to uh, pursue those features. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's we're in the space. I mean, we we manage money and we we use derivatives, options to hedge. We sell volatility, and I can you know I've been in the option space uh, I guess twenty five years now, um, and and I just there there's there's just a lot that can go wrong. Um, so so I think that's interesting. Um, let's let's flip uh, around a little bit. You know, one of the things when I look at your website, um, so I want to ask you kind of on the marketing side. I look at the website and. You know, I remember being over in London and I would see these ads all the time for, you know, um, and may, now maybe it's different, but, you know, mobile phone providers, you, you buy a, you spend, you know, 10 pounds and you get a SIM card, you pop in your phone, you're in London and it's, it's a, it's a great deal. I've seen some of the marketing. I think I saw one picture it was the back of a, a phone, not a phone, a, a food delivery scooter. And so it, it Seems like you guys, and just uh, from my research, doing things a little bit differently. But how are you marketing to this group, and what what types of different things are you doing? Because you think about, you know, traditional brokerage firms is uh, done a little bit differently. So, um, am I right there? You guys are doing a little more, a little more interesting things from a marketing perspective. Yeah, we, we are definitely thoughtful about, uh, you know, your marketing has to differ, um, and also there is the very specific context of uh, currently we are crowdfunding and venture-backed uh, startup, we have to be very um, thoughtful about how we spend our budget to get the biggest bang for the buck, basically. We just cannot do the same thing as um, you know certain companies here in, in the market do. Like you would see uh, CFD companies, for example, uh, contract for different uh, companies. Uh, you are probably familiar uh, uh, with them. Um, you would see them advertised left, right, and center, and Basically, you know, they, they have really high customer acquisition costs, but at the same time, they acquire customers. They make on average uh, 2,000 pounds on them. That, that's FCA research, by the way. That, that's research from the regulator here, here in the market. Uh, the average person uh, or, well, uh, 80, uh, around 80% of, of customers would lose money. It, it depends on the provider. Uh, they have to disclose the exact number on their website. So a high percentage of people lose money on average around two thousand pounds, which is quite a lot of money, and then they churn in in a couple of months, which lends itself to a to a fairly dedicated model to them, which is you know just to acquire, um, go to to big lengths with your customer acquisition because we just can't do the same, we won't do the same, and we also just don't think that's like particularly attractive, um, you know, from a brand perspective when a company uh, when a company does that. Um, so what, what we do is we try to be more creative. One of, one of the things we really rely on is our community, which, you know, from a marketing perspective is one of the last remaining modes. If you think about like, you know, what other companies can't have, I mean, they can go and advertise on Google, Facebook, just the same as, as you. There is no mode there. Um, they can copy a lot of the things that, that, that you do. But one of the things that they, they can't copy is, is um, you know, people being loyal to you and and advocating you. What worked for us really well as a growth loop uh, was um, crowdfunding every year. Uh, equity crowd- crowdfunding is really big here in the UK. And we we raised every year uh, since 2016. And every year we blasted it out of water. Like last year, we raised uh, 1 million pounds in 77 seconds. And we basically, we, we, we rendered the website of the, of the crowdfunding platform offline. <laughs> and they um, unfortunately could not 
could not get it up um, for uh, for a day or more. So we had to reorganize that crowdfunding. So we, we are lucky to have this community, and then they it's it's also part of our ethos to um, to give you know to, to get people investing right and uh, get people access to the growth that hopefully free trade can can achieve. Uh, so it's fully within our philosophy, and we rely on them. The, the best acquisition channel for us is referrals, um, and we have incentivized referrals uh, that work. They, they work really well for us. It's basically sending an invite to your friend, and if they sign up, both you and your friend get a free uh, stock from Free Trade on the house. Um, so th- that that works really well. But but we also invested a lot into our design uh, capabilities and into our uh, press uh, relationships. So we are trying to target the the cheaper, more scalable acquisition channels, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. And it's, uh, uh, you know, from from talking to you and and we talked about earlier, you know, reducing that friction and making it easier for people. I think it's it's fascinating. I mean, as I said before, I mean, you know, all these traditional brokerage firms, um, at least in the U.S., their costs have come down and things like that. But um, it, it almost reminds me of, uh, you know, like we look at Zoom and we look at uh, uh, when when the whole stay-at-home lockdown started, right? Everyone, how, I'm amazed, you know, Zoom, like Microsoft Teams or and, and Google Hangouts and maybe Facebook Live, I don't know, but um, they do all the stuff that Zoom did, but there was some friction. There was some, like how to set up a meeting in Teams and you had to put people's email addresses, but Zoom just figured it out. Like, I'm always fascinated by that, you know, that uh, so we were able to sort of figure out reduced customer acquisition costs, make it easier for people. Um, but, it, but it sounds like there's maybe some similarities in, in what you're trying to do in the marketplace and how Zoom sort of capitalized on a space that Microsoft did all that stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating. So did Google as well. Um, and I, I, I think that, that that's an amazing topic because if you really want to create the best product in the market, you you have to have a singular mindset, an obsession with that particular product. We, we see other fintechs uh, trying to implement investing, whether that's in the form of giving you three ETFs um, or you know a couple of hundred US stocks through another provider. That's that's something you can do. It's not really. You know, it, 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 it won't make you the leader in that in that category. You have to have this obsession to make the product the best it can be. And there is still a journey ahead of us in terms of developing our features. But but we have this obsession, and it, it's really important that to understand that we are a stock broker, we are a brokerage, and we want to be the best in the world. Um, it's going to be a journey, but without having that focus, just like Zoom did in the context of uh, video calls. Uh, you are just not going to achieve the same. Some other companies have like distribution channels that are really great. And, um, you know, I don't want to name names, but media was, you know, trying to suggest that, you know, them launching um, free stock trading is going to kill free trade. Um, absolutely did not. It's just if you are best in the market or you, you honestly focus on that, you have this obsession th- that will really take you far. You know, we, we talked about uh, cost and reducing cost and, you know, technology is, you and I, I mean, for everyone, uh, I, I hope you're uh, currently over in uh, in, uh, in England, London, and I'm in the U.S. and Arizona, and we're using basically a free voiceover internet protocol. I mean, this is free. I mean, 
Um, I know you spent some time at Google and maybe we can, we can just think about, you know, Google has given us free email search, Google docs. I mean, I mean, a lot of people use Microsoft office, but that you can get a free phone number from them. I mean, there's technology is not only just in, in general, but obviously in, in the financial and the brokerage space continues to drive down costs for consumers. And um, I mean, it's, it's sort of amazing that you think if we were doing this uh, in the 1980s, I don't even know how much this would, would have cost, right? I mean, for, for you and I to talk, but I mean, you, you spend some time in Google. I mean, there's People always say, you know, there's trade-offs and if you get something for free, you're giving something up. But um, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, to me, it's um, it's sort of amazing all the stuff we can get for free. Maybe that's why there's not as much inflation. Um, there's some consumer deflation, but any thoughts on that? Yeah, that, definitely. I, I, I think any company that targets um, a deflationary impact on their on their category is bound to do well in the marketplace. I mean, when stuff gets cheaper, obviously, I mean, it, it's an elasticity question as well. And, you know, people, people are more, uh, you know, prone to use it. Um, and when something is free, that that's like the ultimate. The, the other level is, you know, if free trade was, uh, sorry, Google was uh, paying for, for you to use Gmail or Google Docs, that would be next level. But, but yeah, uh, not to get, uh, not to get too carried away. It's, it's it's an interesting conversation, particularly in Europe, right? Because uh, there is a different paradigm how we think about privacy and you being the product in the context of these um, internet companies, right? But I mean, in the end, the market decides, and people decide that it's 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 absolutely fine for Google to you know uh, to have access uh, to their data in, in exchange for using these these free services. Um, I think, um, yeah, it's been a great driving force behind the internet, and and Google did a particularly good job at like being really cost efficient and and scaling immensely. The sort of DNA at Google, you know, having been there early, is sort of like how can, how you can do 10x and and moonshots. And even on the level that I was at, and basically I was, you know starting as a, sort of an entry-level kind of chain to my desk, uh, you know, doing my tasks at, at Google, even on that level, kind of like the the thinking was, okay, what are your OKRs? How are they going to impact the business in a, in a significantly scaling or 10x way? That that sort of thinking percolated across, across the company. And, and that definitely made a lot of impact. And uh, I, I think Google did a great job organizing, you know, first of all, hiring really smart people, and then organizing them in a way that uh, all that intellectual horsepower resulted in, you know, everything that is Google now. And a lot of um, American tech companies, um, you know, copied that model, uh, tried to replicate that DNA successfully. So, yeah, in, in Europe, I mean, if, if, you, if you talk to my German friends, they take a different, a slightly different view when it com- comes to Google. So they, they prefer Firefox over the Chrome browser, for example. Um, and, and I think the next trend in the internet would be potentially paying for these services and products and, and getting a better level of service and potentially better data protection and privacy as well. Yeah, I, I think there, there's definitely trade-offs and I think some companies are, are better than others. Um, I mean, obviously, if, if you get things for free, there's, there's revenue somewhere. Uh, but it, it just amazes me that, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a, uh, 
there. I, I think they're still around. Well, you know what? I don't know. Radio Shack was a, a store in the U.S. And Radio Shack, think about Radio Shack as uh, you would go in there and if you needed batteries, if you needed, uh, you know, a walkie-talkie, just just a, an electronic store, right? And somebody did this thing about, uh, uh, there's an economist who looked at an old catalog of Radio Shack and you would have spent like $5,000 and then essentially you had everything currently in your phone. Like you have a level app on your phone and it's, it just kind of speaks to this, this deflationary thing um, that a lot of technology is doing. I mean, it's sort of um, kind of an amazing thing. I mean, it's just, yeah. And I think, you know, Europe is particularly interesting. Um, I was, I mean, I've been in the brokerage space, uh, I don't know, since 93, I guess. Um, but I was, uh, I think it was at Schwab at the time in, you know, late 90s. And I remember companies trying to break into Europe and it was, the regulation was tough. Um, there were, there were other barriers to entry. So, and, and it's just, it's fascinating to me because Europe and specifically, we never saw the growth of, let's say, online trading that happened in, in the dot-com era. And, you know, it sounds like there's still barriers in Europe, but you, you've picked a heck of a, an industry to get into be, being a regulatory environment. So is, is Europe sort of the next, um, are you seeing, you know, green shoots where it's going to free up a little bit, costs are coming down? I mean, it sounds like this is the opportunity for you, right? Well, it, exactly, Derek. The, the, the way I think about it is that... Um, fintech or, or category and leaning into regulations and doing it well, doing it properly, it actually will give us Europeans an opportunity to build really massive, meaningful tech companies. We, we, we as a continent kind of miss the boat on that. There are amazing tech companies that got created in the US because the environment was correct. Amazing people came together to build these companies. Um, and we kind of miss the boat. Um, but um, at the same time, the way I like talking about it is that free trade is the right company in the right place at the right time because we are in the right category. Um, fintech, and not just fintech, but investing. Um, you know, the first wave of fintechs in Europe, particularly in the UK, were banks. But if you, and I mean, that's very useful for consumers. I think banks, to be honest, kind of sucked here in the UK um, before the appearance of, of neobanks. And uh, at the same time, current accounts are not exactly the moneymakers. Um, if they figure out um, their business model, whether that's mortgages or, or other types of lending, maybe they will make mean, meaningful revenue. But if you consider investing, that's, that's more of a, that's more of a, a sector or, or a niche where, uh, where you, you can make revenue because value gets created, um, all the growth. It's just more structured, um, structurally, toward making revenue. And I think that's the right sort of category um, here in Europe. Um, people are becoming more entrepreneurial, particularly young people. You know, Europeans are famous for being conservative, kind of like risk avoiders. And honestly, that's how I used to be as well. I, you know, particularly me coming from Eastern Europe, it's not, you know, I did not figure there was such thing as investing until, until a little bit later in life. But that kind of applies for all Europeans. We, we are a little bit, we used to be risk avoiders, but that's changing. Young people are more open, uh, more entrepreneurial. And we think it's the right time. If you consider the negative interest rate environment that we have, all these Europeans 
over 100 million millennials, they need to do something with their money, right? And we think as a company, the right answer to that question is going to be investing if they have, if they have midterm, long-term in mind. So, so we think we are the right company in the right place at the right time. Yeah, no, and, and uh, so tell me a little about, uh, so I know you're in Europe right now. Um, any expansion plans? Uh, is this going to be a global endeavor at some point or, or right now focusing on, on Europe? It sounds like that's, uh, that's kind of the sweet spot. But talk a little bit about you know, what, what the growth plans are. De- definitely. Um, the mission is to get everyone investing, so that includes the entire planet. Um, and uh, the first step is, so we have a foothold here in the UK now. We only foresee improving our market share as well as uh, getting newbie investors investing. And uh, we've started running a closed beta testing in, in the Netherlands and Ireland, primarily to learn about how to, how to expand our product correctly, how you know, KYC processes and the like look like, funding your account, all that sort of stuff that we have to figure out and do really, really well, build a really slick product for the continent. And we decided to set up our European entity um, in Sweden. Um, it's actually a little bit of a little bit of a choice that people did not see coming. At I think a lot of companies, well, you know, if, obviously because of bre- Brexit, they have to choose a European location. They go to Berlin, they go to Amsterdam. We chose Sweden because because of the level of talent uh, that we see there, the regulatory environment. Uh, so that's going to be um, going to be our, our European base, and we've already started hiring um, in that location. And we also foresee opening uh, further offices in, in Europe, uh, particularly in Eastern Europe, where there is a high level of engineering talent. Uh, but we also have global ambitions, but uh, it would be a little bit early to announce, but we, we do have plans to, uh, to go outside Europe in 2021. All right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Well, look, I think uh, I'm a fan of anything that's going to bring more people into the marketplace and um, let them participate in sort of the the capital appreciation. I mean, I know uh, inflation would be a whole separate topic, but you know, it's uh, money that's just sitting around in cash uh, or or in an asset. Um, you know, after inflation is not sort of growing, so. Um, I, I did an episode a couple weeks ago. You can feel free to steal this. I mean, I'm sure you you got plenty of ideas as a chief marketing officer of free trade. But I said, you know, if you just look around your apartment uh, or your flat, as they they would say in London, like you can find something that you're not using anymore, and and sell it on you know eBay or some other. Um, I mean, I, I think it's really an interesting point of how you create how people can find money to to invest in their uh, uh, in their first stock. But I, I'm a big fan of anything that. Uh, uh, that gets pe- more people investing. It's the numbers don't lie, Victor. As we know, it's uh, compounding works, right? And, and you know what, Derek? It, it's such a great idea. Um, so my uh, my girlfriend, she owned well, what I would call a really high no- high number of pair, pairs of shoes, basically very expensive ones as well. Oh, and I think handbags. Uh, so she actually signed up for a service um, that um, actually warehouses this stuff. And people can, uh, you know, buy it e-commerce, you know, and, and it gets sent from the warehouse. She, she doesn't even have to worry about anything. She just sends her stuff to this company and they take care of everything. And she made, I mean, she did not become a millionaire or, or anything, but she, she, she made a decent amount of money that she actually invested in her stocks and ETFs on free trade. So, I mean, it's such a great idea. I'm, 
I actually I'm seriously considering of stealing this as a sort of a marketing campaign. So um, <laughs> for the idea. And the other thing is inflation, right? So um, I mean, it's such a big, interesting topic and, uh, you know, how to think about it and and all that stuff. I'd, I'd love to discuss it at, at one point with you uh, at one point later. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll definitely have you back on at some point. Well, listen, this has been... Uh... This is fantastic, Victor. It's interesting to get an insight into into a different side of the business. And like I said, I think if you're able to bring bring investors into the marketplace, break down some barriers, reduce costs, I think it's a it's a great thing. So, Victor, th- thanks so much for your time. Again, it's uh, freetrade.io. I think you said is the uh, site. Uh, I imagine they can go there to to check it out, and that's the best place for announcements on future markets, right? Absolutely. And uh, if you are in the UK. Please definitely give give, a, give us a shot. Um, download the app and, and and see what you think. And uh, you know, reach out uh, if you have any questions. You can just ping our customer service on on the app. You can even tell them that you are looking for Victor, and I'm happy to pick up that conversation if you are a listener of uh, of Derek. So, and uh, thanks a lot for having me on the on the show, Victor. Thanks again. Uh, all right, everyone. We'll be uh, back next week with another episode. And as I always say. Please share this uh, rather than wasting time writing, starring, and reviewing and doing all that stuff. So, uh, all right, folks, we'll see you next week. Bye.